the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Different things attract us and draw us to one another. And in a society that's kind of putting a lot of gray in between that and saying, hey, you don't have to be different. No, no, no. In Scripture, it's very clear. Men and women are different. But you don't have to be a theologian to understand that. You just have to look at how things work. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Ruth. Ruth, in the Old Testament, we're going to be journeying through the entire little book, four chapters, beginning in Ruth 1. It's Alfred Lord Tennyson who first penned these words. "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all." That sounds good on a Hallmark card, but that's a hard truth to live out, isn't it? If you've ever been through loss. And we live in a season where more people are experiencing greater loss than probably any time in history. All of us have lost someone that we know personally, that we've loved. And we seek to go forward while we're navigating the void, the gap that is created by loss. And this happens throughout our life, whether it be from death whether it be in the midst of divorce, whether it be job transitions, career change, friendships that have cast us aside. Part of the human existence is navigating this reality of loss, and it's, it's challenging. It's, it's not easy. It is easy to give up hope to despair. And so we're seeing an increase in that in society. Suicide rates among all ages are at an all-time high. Among teenagers, we're watching more consider taking their lives maybe than any other point in history. And so the temptation in the context of loss is just to walk away and to say, I'm done, to wash our hands with it all. And yet that's not the message of scripture. That's not the hope of the gospel. That's not the power we live in as followers of Christ. We we have a God who is known for his redemption. We have a God who is known as the God of the second chance. We, We have a God who is full of hope and promise. And that affects every story, even the love stories of our lives. 
We've been looking in Scripture at these different biblical characters. I want to remind you, anytime we see people in the Bible, that's always for one purpose. It's ultimately to point us to God. It's not a book about men. It's a book about God. But when we look to these men and these women in Scripture, we can see how much we need God and how God worked in their lives. And that can be an encouragement to us, like it was for Adam and Eve. And in that story, I I gave you four words that really defined their relationship and that help us as we seek to have relationships that are honoring to Christ. First word was identity. I reminded you, you're really not ready to have a relationship with another person until you understand who you are. You've accepted your identity as an image bearer of God, your identity in Christ. Second word was authority because in every relationship, you've, you've, you've got to acknowledge you're not the ultimate authority you come up under authority and our authority is God fearing people as as followers of Jesus is God's word. So we have the guidelines and the guardrails of scripture that become our authority. But then we seek to be with a person that's compatible to us. So that was the third word compatibility because when God created Eve from Adam's side, he, he gave Adam someone that was like him. Every time I hear that story, I I think about the little boy that was just writhing in pain on the floor. He was, he was holding his his stomach and he was crying and, and his mom said, son, what's wrong? Do you have a tummy ache? And he said, no, I think I'm having a wife. You'll figure that out eventually. That fourth word was intentionality, intentionality, the acknowledgement that Every relationship, even one created in the Garden of Eden, is a relationship that's going to require work. And it begins with that leaving and then continues in cleaving and then the interweaving of our lives together, Adam and Eve. Then we talked about Abram and Sarah and (laughs) what a relationship these two were. Uh, We said they could have been on the Jerry Springer show because there are, again, three words defined their relationship. Two of them negative, only one positive. Uh, One of the negative words was fear. Because when fear guides us and governs our life, we do stupid things. And so like Abraham, Abraham, on two different occasions, he told other people that his wife was his sister. (laughs) Bad news. And that was not a good plan. Um, Then we talked about the danger of the flesh. The flesh was that second word, how when we want to appease our our flesh and do things our way, that too is going to get us into trouble. So we, we talked about how when Sarah couldn't have a baby, she had this bright idea of looking at her maid and saying, oh, Abraham, why don't you have sexual relationships with my maid and she can have you a child? And that was a great idea until that was a dumb idea, flesh. But there was a third word that defined these two, and that's the word faith, because after a long life, God gave them the desires of their heart. He gave them a child. And the Lord provided. And as we look at biblical relationships and you think about where you are in your relationship with God and with other people, I just want you to know you can be a person of faith. God will be faithful. He he will provide. And so today we look at really one of the most familiar love stories in the Bible. It's the story of Ruth and Boaz, and it's it's contained in these four chapters of Ruth. And it's pretty powerful, but it, it has a rough beginning. Because before we're ever introduced to Ruth or Boaz, we're introduced to the man who, who would become Ruth's father-in-law. It's a man named Elimelech. And he teaches us something. And it, it teaches us how 
man, some stories start out bad and they come to a crossroads. They could get worse or they could turn better. Look in Ruth chapter one and verse one. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Now, when the judges ruled, we know something about that. Moses was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness toward the promised land. His lieutenant, Joshua, takes over when Moses dies. He leads them into the promised land, right? They have fruitful time in the land of Canaan, in the promised land. But when Joshua dies, the Bible says that the the people went into a period where judges ruled. There wasn't a leader, but judges ruled. And the Bible says that people began to do what was right in their own eyes. Rather than being governed and guided by God, they just did what was right in their own eyes. So in the days of judges, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, and he and his wife had two sons. This man's name was Elimelech, we're told. And that's a name that means God is my king. But... This man named Elimelech lived in such a way that it didn't look like God was his king. And in that sense, he probably has something in common with some of us. It's one thing to say we are Christ followers. It's another thing for our lifestyle to model that. So what did Elimelech do instead of trusting God in the season of famine since he was in that season of the judges where he did what was right in his eyes? He left Bethlehem, which means house of bread, And he went to go to find his own provision. And he did that going to a place God said not to go, a place named Moab. And so not only did Elimelech go here, but he takes his family and his sons eventually grow up and marry daughters who are Moabite women. And this complicates the picture much more because God had specifically said to the children of Israel, do not do that. Do not marry Moabite women. But they did. And then early in the first few pages of the book of Ruth, we realize something terrible happens. It's really foreshadowing. Because, you know, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that all of us are sinners. You know what that means? We've all fallen short of God's design. We've all done things that God said don't do. We've all not done things that God said do. So we're all sinners. And the Bible goes on to tell us that the punishment or the wage, the payment of sin is death. That's always been the case. And that's the case in the book of Ruth. So Elimelech, he takes his family. He goes to this land God told him not to go. His sons do something God told them not to do. And guess what? There are three deaths. Elimelech dies. And both of his sons die. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says the Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. But there's good news, praise the Lord. Your past is not your future when God's redeeming power is at work. Amen. Our God is a redemptive God. 
And when his hand begins to touch your life and when he redeems you, he says you might be described by your past, but you need not be defined by your past. He is a God who takes you where you are, but he doesn't leave you there. He molds you and he shapes you into his image. And so this story that begins so poorly has a tremendous ending. So I just need to get you to the ending so you can understand where we're going. In the gospel of Matthew, in chapter 1, God begins to give us the human lineage of Jesus the Christ. Now, from a divine standpoint, we know he's coming from the portals of heaven. But from a human standpoint, you can trace the lineage of Jesus all the way back to the beginning of time. And I just want you to peek in and see one little glimpse, a part of that lineage. It's in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5. Listen to this. And Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. Do you understand what's taking place here? God, God took a lady that was a pagan widow woman and he put her in the lineage of a king, but not just a king. He put her in the lineage of the king. Now, you've heard about Ruth before, but maybe you haven't heard about the man that would be her husband. He's also listed in this lineage. His name is Boaz, and maybe you just learned something about Boaz you didn't know. Because in this lineage, we find out who Boaz's mama was. What was Boaz's mama's name? It was Rahab. What was Rahab's profession? She was a prostitute. She was a hooker. She was a whore. And yet God took that story and he redeemed it for his glory. That's what God does. God is a redeeming God. So I want to ask you before we begin, what does God need to take in your story and redeem for his glory? Maybe it's something in a relationship. Maybe it's your singleness. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's the pain of death. I want you to have hope today because all of the Bible and and this snapshot we're seeing today, it's a message of hope. It's a story of redemption. It's the power of God's healing touch. Let's pray together. So, Father, I thank you today for the chance once again to hear your perfect word. I thank you that you are a redeeming God. Jesus, I thank you that at the expense of your life, you paid the price to give us hope. God, I thank you that that forgiveness and grace means that we can start again and afresh no matter what we've been through. And we can see your hand at work in us. And Lord, we need that today. We're desperate for you. So teach us what we need to know. Give us what we need to have. Make us more like you, Jesus. Father, I pray that as I communicate this truth, that my words would be your words. That my thoughts would be your thoughts. Speak. And then, Lord, we specifically ask that the result of this time together would be 
healing in broken relationships. Preparation for healthy relationships. And salvation. That most important relationship of all. So do what only you can do as the God who is our Redeemer. And we ask this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. We don't have time to read this whole book of Ruth. So can I just tell you the story? It starts off, as I've mentioned, with despair. So Naomi and and Ruth and and Ruth's sister-in-law, a lady named Orpha, they are widowed. And so Naomi does what she knows to do. She says, we need to go back to our homeland. Let's go back to Bethlehem. We're in this foreign land. But she knew that her two daughter-in-laws were daughters of that foreign land. They were Moabites. And, and, and so she says to them, you guys, you go do your thing. I'm going to go do my thing. In fact, I, I'm an old lady. Even if I found another man and I had another child, you would have to wait for that child to grow up to be your husband. So you don't have any hope with me. You go find a man and I'll go, I'll go live my life. One daughter-in-law, that daughter-in-law named Orpha, she said, okay, see ya. It was nice knowing you. But then we come across this daughter named Ruth. And Ruth says, no chance. I'm not leaving you. You're stuck with me, Naomi. If you want to leave, I'm coming with you. And, and those people that are part of your family, they're going to be part of my family. And in fact, the God you worship, that's the God I want to worship. And until we die... You're stuck with me. And so they leave and they go back to Bethlehem. And from that moment of despair, we begin to see God's direction. And I want you to know that that can be true of you today. In the midst of despair, God will direct you. The Bible says we make our plans, but, but he directs our, our steps. And so they go to Bethlehem and Ruth begins to recognize that they need food to survive. And, and so she says to Naomi, hey, I'm going to go out in one of the fields and maybe they'll feel sorry for me and give me leftovers as they're harvesting the grain. And Naomi says, sure, you go do that. And, and the Bible says in verse 3 of chapter 2 that, that it just so happened that Ruth landed into the field of a man named Boaz. And I love that phrase, it just so happened. Because God gives us that in his word to remind us that nothing just so happens. Nothing touches our life that doesn't first filter through the hand of a sovereign God. And we see his directing hand at work in in Ruth's life because she goes into this field and and Boaz notices her. And and he begins to give her all this extra grain and provide for her. And, And so she goes home with this all this grain, all this food for Naomi. And and she tells her about what a great day she's had. I I met this guy named Boaz and I was in his field. And Naomi says, Boaz, that guy's a part of our family. And that means, Ruth, that he could be your kinsman redeemer. And at that point in chapter two, we're introduced to this theological reality in the Old Testament. That when a person's husband died, Someone else in that family could buy that, that wife, that widow, into their family so that they might provide for them, meet their needs, and carry on that family name. To redeem means to pay for. 
So a kinsman is someone who's a part of a family who comes in and says, hey, I I want you to be a part of my family. And so Naomi was ecstatic because she says, not only did did God give us grain, he he may have given you a husband. And she began to plot and she began to scheme. And, And so you move from despair to the hand of God's direction to desire. And that's kind of a relationship path, isn't it? We feel this longing inside of us that we don't want to be alone. And we have to trust the direction of God. And these desires begin to bubble up within us. And and so Naomi and Ruth, they concoct a plan. And I'm going to tell you a little more about it, but it's, it's kind of crazy. Naomi tells Ruth to, to go back to where Boaz is at, at nighttime. And after Boaz goes to sleep, to, to kind of lay down at his feet and after he's asleep to uncover his feet so his feet get cold so he wakes up and and when he wakes up to ask him to cover her which symbolically meant she was asking him to provide for her to be her redeemer to translate that into our modern terms Naomi was saying Ruth you go back and you ask that man to marry you It's a little countercultural, right? But but that's what's taking place. So in chapter 3, you see that desire flesh out. You see Boaz's response. And in chapter 4 of Ruth, you see devotion lived out. Because Boaz does become the kinsman redeemer for Ruth. And he commits to provide for her and for Naomi. The rest of their lives. What an incredible story. It points us to Jesus, of course, because Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. Let me just remind you of that, going through the same path. All of us, we're in despair. That's what sin does to us. We have this problem that separates us from God. It, it keeps us from his best, but, but God is calling us to him. He's directing our paths toward him. So, so some of you, he brought under the hearing of this message today so that you could be directed into the power of the gospel, so that you could have a relationship with God, because that That's what will meet the desire of your heart. No other human, no other thing, nothing else in this world can fill those desires, those longings like Jesus. And he's devoted to you. He demonstrated that by giving his life, by becoming that kinsman kinsman redeemer. What, What a message, a picture of right relationship on this side of heaven and a picture of our eternal relationship with God. And within this, again, you see some words that we can kind of, connect ourselves to that can be cornerstones. So let me just give you those and then we'll pray. There are four cornerstones of relational redemption. What are those four cornerstones? The first one is commitment. And I would suggest to you that we live in a world in which there is a drought of commitment. People are afraid of commitment. We're fickle. We're, we're, we're willing to, to run away and push away. All you've got to do is to look instantly to see how church attendance just dropped to nothing in the midst of what we've been walking through in this recent season. We're, we're quick to, to forego commitments that we may have once expressed. You see that also in what's called no-fault divorce today. You can have a no-fault divorce in Florida. That means that it's nobody's fault. I don't blame you. You don't blame me. Let's just pretend like we were never committed. See, I, I think we've, we've not really understood what commitment is. And, and you can understand commitment by looking no further than the breakfast table, right? And I'm a good Southern boy, so I grew up. I mean, we, we're not talk, when we talk about breakfast, I'm talking about serious business. I mean, I'm talking about homemade biscuits and, and real butter with blueberry, blue belly, baby. 
blueberry jelly. I'm, I'm thinking about grits. Grit. You know what grits are? Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm thinking about eggs and crispy bacon. Can I get a witness? Thank you, church. But you can look at that plate and you can see because you look at those eggs. And where did the eggs come from? The chicken. And the chicken was involved in that meal. He gave you the egg. But you look at the bacon. Where did the bacon come from? The pig. And the pig was committed to that meal. He gave his everything. He gave his all. And I think a lot of us get involved in relationships, but we're not committed to relationships. You might get involved in church, but you're not committed to church. You, you might get involved in, in a relationship with another person, but you're not committed in that relationship. And, and I would say that you're not ready for a lasting relationship until you understand the power of loving commitment. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.